You are listening to the Hingework Podcast, a conversation about creativity, joy, and authenticity from the overflow of true community. And I think Amber Martin had connected Jeff and I. That's correct. And we met at Baker's Table and talked for an hour or two. And I think I cried. Yes, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Um, that seems like that happens a lot. One of us is crying. But anyway, um, it, it kicked off an awesome friendship, and we've got to know Jeff and Liz, and uh, we're really excited for you guys to hear some of their story. To me, when I think about these guys, I think about creative entrepreneurs who have exponential impact on people around them. And what I mean is, like, they're always creating, and they're always inspiring other people to create. And so that's why we wanted to hear a little bit of their story tonight. And, yeah. So I think that's it, guys. Hey guys, I'm Jeff, and that's my wife Liz. Um, we just moved into the city, we live in Lancaster, and we've been married for almost four years. We met about, let's see, let's see almost, almost. Eight years ago. Yeah, coming up on 10, uh, eight years ago. And funny story about how we met, uh, I was out of college and Liz was in high school. Uh, at the time, I did not know she was in high school. Uh, she said she was a senior. I thought she came up as very, very professional, for, very mature, yeah. As I was getting settled in Lancaster, she started uh, her journey going to school in Savannah, Georgia. And we're gonna get into kind of talking more of like Liz's story and how they kind of combine with mine. And, uh, and yeah, so first I'm just gonna explain kind of how I landed in Lancaster because I'm not born and raised in Lancaster. I was actually born in New York. In New York. Um, I lived there till I was about 10. Um, I fell in love with video when I was a really young age. Um, when I was 13, I uh, was given a video camera uh, and just started making short films. But I was actually making some decent stuff, uh, short videos and films that actually got featured in local film festivals, which is really cool. One of my movies uh, actually is a, a mockumentary um, that I'm not proud of, however, it aired repeatedly 24-7 on our local public access channel, nonstop. Nice. It was called Edward, and I was very adamant about saying not Edward, because the kid's name was Edward, and it was me who played Edward, who lost his mind, and I would go around asking people if they'd seen my mind. For the record, I have never seen this. <laughs> yeah. So that's where my talent began, um, and my creativity. And then I found my way to Temple University. Uh, I, got, I went to there, I, went, I got accepted there as a film student, but as soon as I walked on campus, I was like, I'm never gonna get a job as a film major. I'm changing. And I became a broadcasting major. I will say that I, I, there is much value to the degree that I do have, more so in the interpersonal and kind of the skills I learned as being on my own. I actually got a job as a associate director for PBS my freshman year. I designed graphics and I uh, helped direct a newscast Monday through Friday. And I worked for the, um, the Philadelphia Phillies as an entertainer. And so I was doing all those three, three jobs and everything was great. I, every summer I spent working at PBS and I don't know exactly what the time frame was, but it was probably like weeks before I graduated that the TV show got canceled and I was left with nothing. I, I had no prospects. Uh, PBS did only kept the older people, which sounds so typical of PBS to do. And 
and they had no. And I uh, support your local stations, please. Um, so I kept working at the Phillies, and I got a job working at a supermarket and in South Philly, right in the ghetto. And it was miserable. I was having panic attacks uh, to the point where I would almost feel like I would pass out, and. I would have to just like step aside. I remember people like trying to bring me bananas. I don't know what, why this is like a memory, um, but it would happen a lot where I would be working customer service and I would just feel like I would be about to pass out and people would be like, do you like, do you need a banana? And I, st I actually don't mind bananas to this day, but it was just, it's something I correlate with that time. But I remember, I remember I didn't even have, I didn't even have healthcare. I was out of college and I just, um, I just came off of my parents' health insurance, and so I literally would be walking down, down to go to work, and I, my blurred vision was there, and, and I would be like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I felt like an airhead. Everything was just messed up and gone, and I wasn't here on Earth. And so at that point, I had kept a couple of friends um, from Temple, and one of them uh, invited me to shoot a wedding here in Lancaster, and I said, sure. I dabbled in photography and I didn't really know how I could or if I could use it for anything. And so I came to Lancaster the day before I um, photographed that first wedding. Um, I actually met Liz and I showed up and our mutual friends were married and it ended up, ended up being an impromptu double date. We went to a show at the Chameleon Club. And the venue that I photographed the next day ended up being actually the place where we got married. Uh, and that was not planned. It just kind of worked out that way. Um, and it's, it fits for a really cute story. And I, and I kind of love that working at Walmart's part of my story because a lot of, I, I, I feel like a, a lot of people that when I, when I talk to them, uh, they, if they're, if they're working on a side hustle, and say they are working at a Walmart, or they're working at a Starbucks, or they're working at Target, um, they kind of will hesitate, kind of like how I am right now, about saying, yeah, I work at Target. And I would be like, yeah, I'm at Walmart, um, but I'm working really hard to just uh, to photograph more weddings. And, and so I was working at Walmart, and I worked really, really hard uh, until the day I took a risk and I said, I'm not gonna work at Walmart anymore and I'm gonna go to wedding photography full time. And this was almost, this was about nine years ago now. And I remember my store manager was like, what are you gonna do in the winter time when there's not that many weddings? And I said, I guess that's up to God and I never talked to her for my final, I didn't talk to her anymore for the final two weeks that I worked there. It's the only thing she said to me, she didn't ask me any other questions, just like complete non-belief in me. Yeah, so since then I've been, sh I've been shooting weddings and I've been doing design work and I've joined, I don't know, teams two or three times and I've had m tons of moments where I've I've risen to the top and I've fallen flat on my face and I've risen to the top and I've fallen flat on my face. And uh, Donald Miller has, if you know who Donald Miller is, he's an author, um, Blue Like Jazz uh, is one of his books, one of my favorite books of his. Uh, he now coaches uh, businesses, but in 
Um, about 10 years ago, he came up with this thing called Storyline. Um, Storyline, story yeah. And, um, and it pretty much like gave you this, uh, a map of your life. And you would answer all these like really tough questions where no one really, like, I feel like no one really asks. And they're really good ones it's with relationships, with, um, with what's gone on with your life. And, um, and basically, it boiled down to figuring out what your, the theme of your life is. And I never really knew what the theme of my life was at that time. Um, I had just known and focused on all just like the awful things in my life that had happened. And it just allowed me to focus on some of the blessings too. And you had to write all these things down and then you have to track them across. And um, so you ranked them like a scale of one to 10, you know, how great this was or how miserable this was. And most of mine were tens along the, along the way. And my life plan just went whoop, 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 all the way up, all the way down, literally like a, cam like a camel's back. And, and that's where I learned that my theme was resiliency. Mm -hmm. Because even if I hit a number 10 at the lowest, I was always going to work my way back up to a 10 at the top. And so there's a, you know, there's, you know, stereotypical, you could say cliche where it's like, you know, there's only one way up from here. Yeah, that's when I'm at those points. That's what I try to focus on is I remember those times that I did the, the storyline and remembered that there is only one place up from here. And uh, I really want to like talk more about Liz's journey. Um, so get ready for 15 minutes of Liz riding now. No, I'm not gonna go quite no. <laughs> but Yeah, so kind of how our stories tie together, Jeff and I had met, and as soon as we had met, I started college at Savannah College of Art and Design down in Georgia. So we immediately moved apart and decided that we were just gonna be friends. Um, and I started going to school for fashion design. And I started working out a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. true. It's true. Um, after my junior year, I just kind of felt like it wasn't, the school's vision wasn't really lining up with what I wanted, and I felt like the administration wasn't helping me further my career, and I was really just at a frustrating point where it was like, okay, I could go for one more year and get the degree, but it was giving me so much anxiety. I was just really feeling like it wasn't. You were calling me almost every single night crying. Yeah, it was just, um, just a really tough time. Like it was, they were putting so much pressure on us. We'd have to come in for class at like 4 a.m. and get projects done overnight. They were, you know, it was, it was rough. We were making full outfits in like 24 hours and just cranking out work and I just was burnt out. And it came to the point where I was like, you know what, I have three years under my belt. I know what I'm doing. I can either stay for another year and pay the money and be miserable or I can walk away. Um, so during my time in college, I interned in New York City for two big designers. Um, and that was kind of my foot in the door to be like, yeah, okay, the real world isn't this bad. Like they don't make you stay up till 4 a.m. in the real world working. You know, you go home at the end of the day. Um, and it really gave me perspective hey, New York of- isn't that glamorous. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I, I went through a lot of like really unglamorous things in my, I had my first boss was a character to say the least. I, I greened like a really tough skin, but that allowed me my next job. I showed up and I was like, I know exactly what I'm doing. And they offered me a really great job. Um, so that was part of the deciding factor for me, not going back to school. And I went into New York City, I was offered this job. And on the train ride home from the interview, I just remember feeling so much peace, like this isn't it. Like there was something about that. I went up there, I went to New York back and forth two days in a row interviewed with the CEO, had a really great, like amazing interview. They offered me a great job. And on the train ride home, I was like, no. So that, that was um, in 
September. Yeah. So we had gotten, so this was literally three months after we had gotten married. I had actually just begun my path of going completely on my own. Uh, I had been part of a photography team and I had, uh, owned a share of an, uh, an iPhone app and I sold my share of the, the app and I was going on my own as a photographer because the team was breaking up and no one else was going to shoot me shooting weddings. And so I'm now throwing myself out there, scared, just now have a wife to support, a house that I just bought in December. and. And Liz is going to New York now for potentially taking a job. Like, how is this going to work? And I was really resistant. I'm from Lancaster, born and raised. And I was like, I'm going to New York, like New York City or bust. Like, that's it. And I got on the train and I was like, I think I'm staying in Lancaster. And there was something about that. So we worked through, I would say it was a, a really difficult season of life where I felt like, I'm supposed to be in New York. Like, I'm not supposed to be in Lancaster. There's nothing here for me. You know, this is my hometown. I'm, go I'm leaving. And during that time, I was just making stuff for myself. So I'd make bags all the time. For those who don't know, I'm a leather handbag designer. I think most people know that. Um, but I was making myself bags. And I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't really want to work for the man. I don't want to work for a corporate company. You really want um, you, at that time, you either wanted to work, you know, you want to work in New York City for a really cool designer yeah. or make your own clothing. Make my own clothing. And that was the direction I was headed. And I kept. I just remember having like this vision for a clothing brand and I was working it and working it and nothing was coming of it. Meanwhile, on the side, I'm making myself all these bags and Jeff, one day we were driving to a wedding. Jeff was like, Liz, this is your business. Like, I saw her bag and I was like, wait, where'd you get that bag? And she was like, <laughs> I made it. And it was this little black yeah. canvas tote. It was really poorly made. Wow. It was <laughs> like, but, but. It's in a Goodwill somewhere at this point. <laughs> the aesthetic of it, I like saw, I saw the potential and I've seen her work all the way from the very beginning of when she raised money. And, but but I, I saw this and I knew like where your heart was in design and all those moments in school when you were designing these simple like wearable pieces. I should say that part of my journey in school, I went to an art school, it's one of the top art schools in the world. And what was happening was my professors were pushing me to create things that were so over the top. And I'm, if you know me at all, like I'm clearly a very like minimalistic, simple person. So I'm creating all these like really functional pieces and they're like, oh, this is too functional. It's not, you know, it's not like avant-garde enough. You need to push it. You need to like do all this crazy stuff. And it was so against who I was. So we're driving to, so we're driving to this wedding and lots of time to just, you know, dream. And the, usually a lot of our dreaming comes from those long car, car rides that we'd have together. And I don't know anything, uh, at that time I really didn't know anything about fashion, especially not accessories or bags or anything. Did not know what, you know, the difference between a clutch and a tote and a coin purse and all those things. And so I was like, I, I was like, just like spitballing all these things. Like you have to have like a, a big one, a middle, a medium one and a small one. And it's like all these different prices. And I'm just like, I just remember Jeff is driving and he's like, are you writing this down? Are you writing this down? Like, and he's like on fire. Like, here's what your branding is going to look like. I, I have a vision for the packaging. Here's this. And I'm like, what is happening? And we were just like, literally just shouting it out as we were driving. <laughs> And I got home and started prototyping, and yeah, that's how the business was born, which was crazy. It, it literally just came out of like a road trip together. And you worked through, yeah, you worked through the winter, and you launched the following February, which, so like the difference between like when I started mine, 
I actually had a name for myself already. And so while I kind of was separating from a team, like I was getting brides my way already. But you, yes, you know people, but like what were, what were, your, what were your feelings and thoughts of like gaining people's trust and as like a legitimate designer and not like another crafty person in Lancaster and 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 then the balance of like how like of like trying to actually make this sustainable yeah it it was a great success right in the beginning like it paid for everything that we'd put into it up to that point but it wasn't like oh it you're not like, like oh we're $20,000 in the green in the no. first month. No, no, it, it like definitely that. wasn't like an overnight explosion in that sense. And the first year was even learning things. Like I didn't even have a sewing machine that could handle sewing leather. So I started a leather brand with no leather equipment. And like to me, I'm like now looking back, I'm like, what an idiot. But there's a lot to be said for the journey and like starting when you're ready versus starting when you have the idea. And so for me, it was like I could have waited till I had all the equipment. I could have waited till the perfect moment and you know, oh, I have all this cash flow and I have like all this equipment in this beautiful studio. And I could have waited like 10 years to start my business, but I started it when I knew that I wanted to start something. And I think there's a lot to be said for starting when it's imperfect and not starting when you have it all planned out. Um, and that's a big part of our story. We, we kind of were like serial business starters. Like we jokingly have like 20 businesses under wraps that might start this year. Like we always start businesses, but there's something to be said for starting when it's imperfect. Um, and that's, I'm still learning. I'm still learning my craft. Like I actually taught myself all of my leather working skills off of YouTube videos. Um, and I went to school for fashion. I didn't go to school for leather working. So I really just had to figure it out as I went. Um, so yeah, a lot, of, a lot of our story. So we came together, we ended up getting married. Um, we now had two businesses. We both were working for teams. We quit our teams. We both started jobs right away in newlywed life. It was it was a huge risk. And we, um, yeah, we went through a huge transition of like losing all of our friends and trying to find new community. So it was like we were we were hit with like there's like there's like those lists of like the ten most stressful things in life, and we were like seven out of ten all at once. It definitely is in those moments when we're, um, we're pushed to the brink of, of trying something new and when we, we don't know if it's gonna be a failure or a mm -hmm. success that we really see like, we learn more about ourselves and we learn more about um, like, you know, who God made us to be. Um, In hindsight, like it was almost like that push over the edge where it was like, we were thrown in with the wolves and we had to figure it out, you know? And like, it's cool to see the, like the redemptive side of that now. And one of like, I, I know we talked about this right before, but one of Liz and I's favorite podcasts is um, uh, by NPR called How I Built This. Um, and it's, uh, it's a lot of interviews with companies that you've all heard of. <laughs> but we'd realized something. Well, I think the, the biggest one was when we, we heard the story by, of Kate Spade. So Kate Spade, obviously most of you probably know, she's a huge handbag designer. Um, she had her start basically exactly like mine. She was working out of her tiny apartment. She went to a big trade show and got discovered, but was basically working out of off her kitchen table. And to hear that story, we were both like, whoa, this is like, this is literally what we're living right now. And, and, what, and what we realized is that each person in these stories um, while we look at these brands like Patagonia, Cliff Bar, Instagram, we look at all of these and be like, like, 
they're, they're successful. That's like all we see because they're all in our face. But each one of their stories, they had a moment where it was fight or flight. Like they had failure. They all had failure. And they didn't just give up. And whether it was the thing that they were most passionate about um, or not, it, it helped them lead themselves to where they ended up yeah, with Instagram, with Cliff Barr, with okay. Kate Spade. And so like, that really inspired us with like, to keep trying and to keep failing. And I made a joke this morning when I was like, oh, we're gonna say that we're professional failures. And Liz was like, that's not how we should say well, I was it. Like, <laughs> Deprecating, like we we have failed, but that's not who we are. And I think that so labeling we're, ourselves as we're failures, profession, we're professional risk takers, and that's what we're labeling ourselves. Yeah. Um, and uh, like, I, I have I have like so many things of like that I could just go off on a tangent, and I don't want to do that. Um, so I'm just gonna like literally just like say some of these things that I jotted down um, over the past couple of days. Um, they're pretty much just questions that like hypothetical questions and things that I just thought. So I, I, I was asking myself, like, how are we going to grow and discover new things without taking a risk? And I think of every single moment that I found growth um, was when I tried. And if, if it was a failure, I learned something from that. And it can be it's creatively. It can be with handiwork, because I suck at handiwork. Uh, it can be from like money. It can be anything, um, and so all of, like all those moments that didn't that didn't kill me made me stronger. Uh, three other things that I, I wrote down was like it helps like um, like taking risks help develop our skills. They help us conquer our fears and they open ourselves up to new ideas. Um, and we will never know if we don't try. And that. Uh, within myself, especially over the past year, like things that I've wanted to try or do instead of saying like, I've got this idea, I've just been doing. And it's only April and I've tried at least four or five things new that I've literally just like blindly just been like, boom, I'm doing this. And most of them have flopped and some of them not as like gracefully as others, but it's not going to stop me from continuing to try instead of you know worrying about the what's what are people going to think of me is this good enough um, instead of like mulling over those those questions that we tend to ask ourselves in those moments and so that's where i wrote like we'll never know if we don't try i don't, i think i found this i found i found an article on medium about taking risks, and I, and I saw this quote, and I, I just want to share it with everyone um, because uh, I just liked it. So it says, have the guts to go beyond your limits. Success is hard to achieve if we don't put in the extra effort. Proper planning with careful action is the key to success for some people, but not everyone. Taking risks is also a part of success. Yes, taking risks does not always result in success, but failure is the first step in achieving it. This could be our stepping stone. People who dare to take risks tend to end up more successful than to those who don't. So my parents are here, mom and dad. Give them a little shout out. Um, <laughs> the 
anyway, I was driving in the car today and I'm like, oh, what are we gonna talk about? Because believe it or not, we did not plan a lot. And all of a sudden I'm driving and I thought of this like one moment in my childhood that I literally haven't thought of until today. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but I got a pink Barbie convertible for my birthday. Um, I really wanted this car. And I remember on my birthday, it was just like a little car. And you guys got me a pink Barbie convertible, but it was remote controlled. And I didn't want the remote control. And I remember like, I'm such a brat, but like, I really wanted just like the basic one. And so they, they went back and got me the basic one. And I was thinking about that today and I'm like, here my parents got me the coolest car. Like it wasn't just the one I wanted, it was the remote control one, which is like so cool, you know, like the souped up Barbie car. And I didn't want it because I was scared. And I just remember thinking, what if I crash it? I don't know how to drive it. Like there were so many parts of that car that were like too advanced for me, you know, and like thinking, so the analogy here is that like, here my parents had something better for me than I'd even planned. And I was like, oh no, I don't want this. I wanna go the safe route. And that's to me, like, I don't know how that story smacked me in the face today, but I was like, you know what? Like so many times we're handed, God is like, hey, I have this big plan for you. And we're like, mm, but I'm comfortable. Like, I love this little pink Barbie car. It's not, it's, that's not what I want. And it's like, if we would open up our eyes and realize that like, whoa, there's like so there's a remote controlled car in your hands and he's got like these huge plans for us and we're so narrowly minded. Um, and I think about that's a lot of my story is like here I had this opportunity. I was able to say like, you know what? New York is there. If I ever decide that I'm gonna close up shop, New York will be there. I can always go after that again, but I can always work for the man. I can go get a corporate job. Um, but there's something about taking that risk that, that to me felt like that was where I needed to go. Um, so if you guys take anything from us talking tonight, it's just that like, sometimes there are risks that aren't worth taking, you know, but every now and then it's like, if you have that gut feeling, you're sure of yourself, take a bet on yourself. I thought it might be good for you to um, bring us full circle to where Liz Ryden is at Sure, now. yeah. Just give us a little snapshot. Yeah, that. so yeah, during that time, so I was still actually working part-time when I started my business. It wasn't until about a year and a half ago that I quit. Um, and yeah, so now it's like my full-time thing. Um, I've been growing a lot in terms of just projects and where I'm at. Um, yeah, well, I'm not we sure. We realized that like you were working part-time and then you had this business. Emmy wasn't born yet and you were realizing that like we needed we needed the money but you didn't have enough time to create and so once again you we took another risk and i, I it took it took a lot of me persuading you to just, just stop quit. working a part-time job give yourself this time to work for yourself and that's going to be yeah. fruitful for your business. And I think so much of that, as you were saying that, I'm thinking, okay, so much of that is procrastination. You know, we want to wait till everything's perfect. And part of that is like, we're holding off because we're afraid, you know, it's, it's procrastinating to get there because yeah, we're afraid of jumping in and start. And that's what it was for me. When I was thinking about starting a clothing line, there was a lot of procrastination because it wasn't the right thing. And I, I just kept trying to force it. And I think that's what, what happens. So what that looks like now is like having a steady income of my retail store online. I do a lot of projects for other stores. Um, so I'm currently designing three different brands, possibly four um, that aren't Liz Ryden. Um, and just working on a lot of projects right now and it's really exploding. Um, the dream is to have a storefront here in Lancaster. Who knows when, but that's the dream. It doesn't feel the same way as when we started because we've, I think we've fallen enough that we know like it's gonna hurt, you know, sometimes. Um, 
but I think now it's more of like a calculated risk. I'm just like, okay, we know what we're doing. It's, it's more so like we're sure of ourselves and what we do. Um, so it doesn't feel like we're not beginners anymore. You know, in the sense, I mean, we are in the sense that we're still learning, but I don't feel like I'm going at it blindly anymore. Um, we're professional risk takers. We are professional risk takers. Um, as far as supporting each other, so that's actually a really good question because we are unique in that we're both creative entrepreneurs full time um, and we're married. And I think a lot of people, either it's one or the other who's a creative entrepreneur, we're, we're both in it. Um, and I think it's... Super easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of support. It's a lot of ups and downs. Like we both have our moments. Um, actually, funny story about that. My last collection, a week before Black Friday, I said, Jeff, I'm closing up my shop. I'm done. Like I am. I need a break. Like I think I was like, I just need a two month break. And Jeff's like, you're gonna close your shop the week before Black Friday when everyone buys Christmas gifts. Like, are you are you hearing yourself right now? And I'm like, yeah, I just, I can't do it anymore. And he was like. I was working on her brand new website. Yeah, he's building my everything. website. And, Edit, editing all and I had actually made everything already. I was just like, no, I'm done. And it, which in hindsight, but you know, sometimes it takes that push. He was like, you can literally, he's like, you have one week, like you can do this. If you can make it through this tough week, like you're gonna see the sales come in. And I did, and he was telling me like, you know, as a retail business, how stupid would I look if I closed the week, the busiest retail week of the year? Like, he's like, I would think you're going out of business or that you're failing. And as soon as he said that, I was like, okay, I just need to like put on my big girl pants and go. <laughs> but yeah, so I think supporting each other, like we have to like have each other's backs and keep pushing. We both need that from each other and sometimes they're tough pills to swallow. Um, and while we both are each other's number one cheerleaders, we're also like first in line to be like, hey, you should probably fix this, or double check this, or did you think of this? Um, and so we're, I, I think like yeah, how we support each other is like a good balance of being a cheerleader, but also like- Each other's toughest career. Keeping, keeping, our, keeping each other in line of like, within ourselves. I feel like it's easy to do it for like a month and then be like, ah. I'm doing, I like, this is not working. It's, it's like, I'm only getting 20 views of, you know, I'm only getting 20 people looking at my shop. I've had two sales this month. Um, I, I, it, we live in this, in this world where everything's happening so fast and we want instantaneous results. We want that Amazon Prime type lifestyle and not enough people continually show their passion. And I think the people that break through that first two months, as first couple of years, and you really see their passion, and then they keep going, and they're not focusing on you know, who's listening, who's watching, who's buying. Um, and so it's those people that, that it's evident that that's where their passion is. I think people gravitate towards that, and that's attractive. And I think that's where that success outside of your inner network becomes a little bit larger. Um, I was gonna say to you, like, just more of a marketing, like, for me, it's like the product speaks for itself. So like my, the, my friend group bought, and then their friends are like, hey, where'd you get that? You know, and so people talk. And I think that like when you're doing quality work, it shows and that people are gonna come to you. And, um, and for me, from a marketing standpoint, that also looks like I have stores like all across the country that are carrying my bags. So I get a lot of kickback sales from like, if someone buys a bag in Georgia, they come back to my website. And 
Anyway, so I had a store in Georgia, in Atlanta. It's, it was one of my biggest um, suppliers. They were consistently just like, hey, send us more, send us more, send us more, um, which was awesome for me. It was like a steady income paycheck. And actually, so I, I worked with them for two years and they had just recently, actually within a few months ago, um, emailed me and they're like, hey, it's been amazing working with you. We want to open up our shop to another leather designer because you've been with us for two years, so we're done. And it was like a huge, like, oh, like I just felt like all the wind was knocked out of me. Um, just professionally, like that felt like such an accomplishment for me being there. And I'd have people go all the time. It's in a huge market in Georgia. And people would be like, oh man, like your bags are in this cool market. And it felt like such like a failure for me to be like given the boot. Um, and it was nothing that I had done. It was just like, hey, we worked with you for two They're years. And they yeah, just, like, they just wanted to bring like fresh people in. Um, and interestingly though, so that to me felt like a big like failure and I, I had a lot of pride in that. And, but yeah, so about within a week, um, a very comparable store in Washington DC emailed me and they're like, hey, we wanna pick up your line. Pretty much the exact same store model, um, really big market in DC. So it was really cool to see that come through like as soon as that other one fell. Together, like what we've been working on, trying really hard, it's like in communicating on like, how like much time you need for your business and so like this year um like i've taken one full day each week um where i take care of emmy and so then she has a full day to get to take care of all those things that if she had emmy we're going to be a lot more hectic um, so that's what i was going to say asking for help has been huge like i was afraid to get help and now that we have like childcare help and Jeff is helping me more, it's like it's allowed me more time to make my business grow, which has been huge. Like even just dedicating, I can get so much work done in four hours because I'm undistracted versus like trying to scramble and do everything with a toddler like climbing all over me. So yeah, I think asking for help has been huge. And what that looks like for me in terms of growth is letting things go. So like finding manufacturing partners, hiring an assistant, like bringing on people that can help me so that my time is best spent. Um. Yeah, well, I want to um, thank you guys for sharing. Um, I love the reality of your lives. The exponent, like I said to me, thank you guys are constantly creating, you're impacting lives. Um, and yeah, it's fun to watch you guys um, interact. <laughs> Honored to know you guys, really excited for what's ahead for Liz Ride and, and for all the things, Jeff, that you're putting your hands to. Thanks for listening to the Hinge Work Podcast. Hingework is a creative co-working space in the heart of downtown Lancaster, PA. Find out more at www.hingework.com.